0: I'm Tony. I'm Patrick. Welcome to uh, Cave to the Cross Apologetics. We are continuing our discussion and study of Mitch uh, Stokes' book, How to Be an Atheist. That's right. And uh, we are made our way now to the third section of his book, and we're on chapter 13, where he talks about moral mammals, the evolution of ethics. So where did ethics come from? Well, in this chapter, he's going to consider the issue that did we just evolve into Good or bad or whatever, yeah. right or wrong or all right. Did did ethics evolve? Right. We
1: didn't know what to do until Darwin came along.
0: That's right. Yeah. Right. So uh, he says, uh, you know, he's concerned with what makes actions right and wrong, obligatory, and given uh, the biological count of mor- account of morality, he says it's reasonable to ask whether or not biology is all there is mm-hmm. to morality, right? And if it is, what does this imply about the authority? Of our moral beliefs, if anything. Right? In other words, if they're based on biology, okay, uh, what about uh, how, why are they authoritative? Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Why do we have to follow our biology, you know, or not? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. He begins this uh, section by talking about um, E.O. Wilson, the uh, famed biologist, who uh, wrote uh, about how biology and sociology... Kind of evolved right, the evolution of our various um, um, behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right? Before then, folks, you know, obviously features evolved is what folks said. But <laughs> behaviors seem to be somewhat something else is going on. Right. But Wilson kind of connected evolution with, with our particular social behavior, right? And so he says the general picture here is that uh, our moral beliefs have been fashioned over time to help us survive. Ethical behavior tends to keep us uh, alive uh, long enough to produce the next generation. So that's that's the basic uh, idea here. There was controversy at the time, uh, you know, when um, E.O. Wilson put his book out, but now it's it's pretty much a given deal.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just about finding that explanation that you can tie with something to prehistoric man. So. Uh, you know, the example I always bring up is, uh, you know, you're you're taking a walk out in, in nature and you hear rustling over in the cornfield or whatnot and you see the, the corn stalks move Well, your prehistoric man has passed you through the ages, DNA strand, that this gene kicks on and says, oh, there's probably a snake there. So I should fear rustling. And so those who developed this fear gene passed it on because they were able to... Fear, fear off the snake. They could run away, or know to grab it out of midair because right. they were that much more manly than I am. Yeah. Uh, but now, you know, it's just uh, you know you run from the deer or whatever. But it's still it's still protecting you. It's it's adding to your survival. So you know if um, if you hear a, a sudden noise, um, you, you know back then it was uh, a coyote in the woods that was coming to drag you right. and your young off. Well now it's a car that's passing you by that you're moving <laughs> over a little bit more. Uh, you know, grandmas out there with her with her, uh, bifocals off. You stuff.
0: know, I, I would think some of my kids may have missed that gene. the <laughs> times, when they hear Russells, they go forward when they were kids, but kids, young kids,
1: because they wanted to know what it was yeah. all about. Yeah. You know, so so yeah, we, we evolved in different species forms. And, yeah, right.
0: Yeah. So uh, so so this has become common fare, He says um, he uh, quotes uh, Peter uh, Peter Singer here. Uh, he says. Um, uh, this provides empirical support for the idea that, like other psychological fact- faculties of the mind, including language and math, we are endowed with a moral faculty that guides our intuitive judgments of right and wrong, interacting in interesting ways with the local culture. <laughs> These intuitions reflect the outcome of millions of years in which our ancestors have lived as social mammals and are part of our common
1: inheritance as much as our
0: opposable thumbs up. Yeah. Right, so there it is. it is. It's all in the genes
1: right so nothing's right or wrong it's does this add to survival and we can make those determinations based on mm, probably what we consider good at the time except when times change what do we do with that and Mm -hmm. so we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in this chapter so
0: what do we do with what seems to be anti-survival behavior
1: yeah right don't we engage in behavior (laughs) that is that is terrible like how about war Uh, hey yeah uh, hey hey, uh random person go out and fight for your country and protect other people that you've never met or you know go across the seas and um protect this town because you're ordered to well that doesn't seem very survival to to us (laughs) or you know uh you you uh you have your child and you uh Sacrifice your sleep and energy and time and money—all the things that you could be using to feed yourself—you're doing for another being. That seems that seems anti-you.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Mm anti-self-interest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anti-survival interest. Right. Right. And here's another one that he talks about in terms of uh, anti-survival yeah (laughs) behavior
1: right yeah altruism altruism yeah altruism uh you know giving money to the poor we shouldn't do that right because that's helping other people uh so uh the good news is we do actually see this in nature and we see it as um the symbiosis so think of like uh the the um, fish that go around sharks and clean them up the sharks don't eat them they get a source of food uh sharks get taken care of all the bacteria go off Very nice. uh, yeah. being good together yeah right yeah even the even the mean old sharks <laughs> um bees and flowers you know i i guess flowers didn't exist before bees and so they had to evolve which came first yeah. the bee or the flower exactly there you go <laughs> <laughs> so societies uh and their necessary moral norms are far more conducive to preserving our genes than a life lived in total isolation. So the idea is that those of us who are more sympathetic to other people, more altruistic, um, kind of form this community bond, uh, kind of a uh, almost a social contract. Although I don't believe in the social contract, mm-hmm. it forms this type of societal, uh, you know, milieu that uh, brings us together. And so we're more apt to protect other people; they're more apt to protect us and the group in whatever denomination you draw your circle around survives that way
0: right. so cooperation right. drives altruism right, right? yeah so and, and we have evolved and understand that cooperation allows for better survival mm-hmm. right?
1: right and then uh, altruism among family members is another thing it seems odd that we want to protect our children except for the very fact that also with ingrained in us is this innate sense to uh, continue the species, and especially continue not only the species, but our distinct DNA line. That seems uh, because uh, you know our ancestors; those that didn't have that desire died off because you wouldn't see them today. And so, uh, over millions of years, those same type of people either died off because they didn't produce their DNA uh, down, the, down the family tree, or those that did uh, continued on, and so that gene wherever it might be as developed and so much so that it seems almost worldwide now.
0: So he makes the point that altruism then is really selfishness.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's just one more tool for our survival. Uh, so we don't, even though we might have a consciousness of, I might die. I, I care about me in other people or in other things. So by helping my neighbor, Saved their child from getting struck by a car. I hope that they would do it for mine, and in in doing so, continue my DNA strand down down through the ages. Which I don't know why that affects me, yeah, but other yeah, than yeah, why you know, should I care? About? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so so and so he makes the point here that it kind of twists around our our, our usual explanation of, of altruism, right? I mean, altruism is done. We help others for our own selfish reasons, mm-hmm. and that's uh, you know that uh, that's kind of odd. Yeah, you
1: know? but we get close to Ayn Rand's objectivism and selfishness. <laughs> selfish, selfishness is a virtue, so you know we're we're all slowly becoming libertarians this way, right? Uh, so the person that that really kind of. Uh, hones this a lot, and we'll cover in, in both this chapter and the next chapter, is Sam Harris. We've talked about Sam Harris before, uh, pretty well known in the atheist uh, circles. And, uh, you know, uh, by, by, his all, uh, by, his, by his own means is, is a very thoughtful person and p- p- puts forth a lot of ideas and has a good podcast um, that uh, that people should check out if they're interested in the topics he covers. Um, so then uh, the question is, well, okay, so we're... we're um, continuing our our gene pool and so does that mean that we then become kind of puppets of, of our DNA or of our own emotions so that's what he covers
0: next yeah yeah so are we puppets of, <laughs> of, of you know what what we're supposed to do he says on a purely uh, evolutionary story our moral judgments may merely be the result of biological processes right mm-hmm. like sex drives and hunger and, and so forth uh, you know he says, our urge to visit Hawaii in <laughs> January. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he says, here we stand; we can do no other. So, as Hume would say, nature is too strong for us. Right? Although there's uh, plenty of evidence that this is not at all true. We're pretty good at overpowering our uh, altruistic uh, urges. because right. yeah.
1: right? again, th- this seems like it's not like gravity. You, you, you. you know, no matter how high you jump, you you can't fly. Uh, no matter how how hard you think, you can't unless if you're in Star Trek, the the four lights don't magically become five. Um, There doesn't seem to be any other area except this one area that seems to be so ingrained that we can outdo our own survival mechanisms in order to do something.
0: Right. In fact, that's what he covers next. He says, being the puppets of our emotion is troubling enough, but there's something else. Our moral judgments were selected for long ago. Very long ago. Yeah. For situations that are totally removed. Right. Right? Yeah. And so today these judgments often put us in situations that are, aren't beneficial for us, right? Uh, adopting a child or, uh, you know, having uh, sex with someone outside the, uh, who who is on the pill. Well, you know, how, how does that help my survival, <laughs> right? So he says, notice, he says, when we uh, sacrifice our well-being for those who can't return the favor or who don't share our blood, we're really being tricked By our biology, Mm -hmm. that's how they have to explain it, right? He mentions Dawkins here. This is these are, he calls these uh, Richard Dawkins calls these erroneous urges firing, misfiring. Right, right. So they're misfiring. So we have misfire. So it's just (laughs) a, you know, it's just a
1: glitch in the system. Right. right? Well, I mean, evolution doesn't produce perfect things, and we're all, you know, uh, uh, mutations of, of some kind. So. We just have these misfirings. Yeah,
0: so we do these things, and we, although we shouldn't do them because they don't help survival, but we do them anyway. And oops, right. right? Although get we it should, right. Yeah,
1: I mean, shouldn't we evolve? Uh, uh, you know, a sense of passing down knowledge through our DNA too. That that would be beneficial. We're not spending uh, precious re-learning. Res- res- resources <laughs> relearning and yeah. teaching, yeah. or or you know, um, uh, why can't we? Um, uh, you know, evolve to a higher level of, you know, brain density where uh, we can move things with our mind and, or is that where we're going? Yeah, or, yeah I mean, I'm sure there are yeah. folks
0: that believe that's where we're headed.
1: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I mean, that's what all the outer limits say that the, the person who accidentally steps forward in time 3000 years comes back and his brain is pulsating <laughs> and, you know, he can, he, he's, he's evolved past you mere mortal men. Right. So he says it seems plausible here that evolution has simply programmed us—that's kind of
0: an interesting Mm -hmm. thing—programmed us to mistakenly believe in moral realism. So moral realism is the idea that moral truths, moral judgments really do exist, right? There really really is something that is uh, right and wrong, right? Uh, Just as long as we live long enough to add our DNA to the gene pool, right, is what he says. So moral realism, but is a mistake, is what the— it is what uh, Joshua Green he quotes here says, and uh, because um, there is no real ethics, <laughs> right? real morality, right. it's just what we have been programmed to believe.
1: Right. So mm-hmm. it's there's nothing out in nature. It's not a product of the universe. Uh, there's no God that has declared it. Uh, the, the the only question that I have is, okay, if if this is a mistake, if this just adds to our survival, what other processes has evolution imbued upon us that are Wrong that we think are right. Yeah. Uh, how about the scientific process? You know, okay. Well, we just see the repetition of, you know, uh, boiling the water to a uh, hundred degrees, uh, but nothing's actually happening there. We we do need to eat, and so. Uh, we just need to eat the pasta that's uh, what we think is cooked. But really, it's not cooked. So what you might see is uh, boiling water that you put the pasta in uh, it just turns out to be, you know, crunchy old pasta that your mind plays a trick on you to make you eat and consume calories so that you can survive. Could be, right?
0: Right. Uh, he talks about how, you know, in the um, mid-20th century, this issue with regard to moral realism and that sort of thing, how to— get objective morality um, was uh, was b- debated, you know. He says, but uh, since it has received less attention, and he says this is not because uh, it's been solved or uh, because agreement has been reached. Instead, <laughs> it seems that they just kind of shelved it.
1: Right? Yeah, there's this... Kind of little thing called World War Two that really put a hamper on things, and then also made us question humanity and where we were at as a world species and stuff like that. So, yeah, that uh, that that tends to um, put a hamper on things.
0: Right, right. So he says, nor is, nor is it that people no longer argue over what sorts of actions are right and wrong. This too seems to be something we can't help. But the question, who says right, or by what standard, must come back again into the limelight? All other Ethical questions are secondary. By what standard? What's the standard that determines that, right? And so he says that is the key question right. with regard to this.
1: Which is kind of the thing that we say too, right? Yeah. Sure, all these things may be beneficial, uh, but at the same time, there are other uh, competing ideas that may not be beneficial, but it seems like we do. Um, so which path do we take? What What? What should our biology dictate? Well, that's kind of up for debate. So... You, know, you have the social biologist who says, you know, run from the snake, and then you have the other social biologist who says, no, you must overcome and overtake your your uh, natural surroundings and own it. Yeah, so, own the snake. Yeah, l- leap in there. <laughs> well, you know, which one is it then? So, how did the leopard get a snake? <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, he says. Uh, so I, this is the next section. Yes. Uh, so, uh, social biologist. Uh, pr- he he uh, is. It's no. No wonder uh, Mitch Stokes uh, once put forth the possibility that the social biologists have their facts wrong. Uh, it's a legitimate possibility, however. Uh, the worry being that the words of uh, atheist philosopher Philip Kitcher says evolutionary explanations run the risk of becoming exercises in storytelling, uh, just without Kipling's wit. So he says uh, that it's the possibility that we're not reconstructing actual history of ethical projects. Uh, but that we're forming what we believe that it is beyond the available evidence. Uh, we cannot advertise uh, explanations of how actually these processes occurred, but this is a possibility and and we should agree on it.
0: Yeah. Obviously we can't go back and observe. Right, right?
1: Yeah. Right. So our, our snake <clears throat> in the grass thing, uh, I have a fright because of the the thing moving. Well, what if it wasn't snake in the grass? What if it's, uh, you know, uh, th- th- there was always, you know, another tribe person that was with us who was uh, uh, becoming a snake god. And so uh, we evolved this jump process because we were actually uh, communing with this snake god that our, our fellow tribesman was was imitating. So that's, that's where it comes from. Well, then you have two competing ideas where you just are— uh, kind of assuming you know where that came from. There's no testing of that you, mm. unless you hop in your time machine or you go back. This was. This has always been what uh, creationists have always had a issue with when it comes to evolution. Is the whole you weren't there. We're not doing observable science. We're doing historical science. Mm. We're we're applying what we believe to happen. We don't really know. We we kind of tweak. Our theory and so that's why you still have the Big Bang being a theory. And so here's, you know, why we get the redshift and here's why we get um galaxies spinning in different directions. Uh but we're we're not doing what Hume would want us to do. It,
0: and, and, and as a result it's really difficult to overcome our assumptions about what we think, you know, this is the way it is right. and now let's let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. it's really it's yeah, I think Kitcher you know, has his uh, finger on the nail here, so somewhat storytelling. Right. 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 How do we prove Who the right. best story? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Well, the guy in the lab coat seems to, to really press his lab coat, so we should listen to him rather than the guy with the, the collar around his neck. That's so. right. Or the bow tie. Or, <laughs> or the bow tie, yes. <laughs> uh, so uh, he goes on to say uh, I, I myself am very skeptical about the evolutionary explanation, uh, as we talked about in, in previous chapters. Uh, it does. Uh, there's no doubt that our moral code provides survival advantage over many of the alternatives, because, of course, it, it, it does. Uh, but biological benefit does not it, it in itself imply that our ethics develop naturalistically. It may be, for example, that a divine lawgiver hardwired us with knowledge of these moral laws, and one of the benefits of following them... As things will generally go better for us as well as for others, like so. Yeah. So there's,
0: there, you know, we can have a couple of explanations with regard to programming. Mm-hmm. If that's what it is, right? Right. You know, they
1: say evolution program us,
0: but he's suggesting, well, what about a divine law giver? A mm-hmm. divine law giver could have programmed us, right. right, to
1: to accept these things, right, and believe them. And, and so where we've talked about compatibilism as it, as it relates to free will, um, uh, uh, Sam Harris is a determinist as far as free will goes. And he follows that from his line of thinking as far as his idea of what evolutionary process happens and as, as what the, the social biology uh, right. so he's, does.
0: So his behaviors are unavoidable. He can't help do what he does <laughs> Right, if he's a determinist. Right.
1: And so I guess everything that he does, like start a podcast and try and help people learn, that's just what is programmed into him by his biology, and he doesn't really the get laws any laws of
0: nature yeah. working right. And so it, no matter what you do, you can always say, uh, "Your Honor, the laws of nature made me do
1: it." Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so what is punishment? Why are we punishing if we're we're trying to curb behavior? Right. <laughs> that's what we do when we punish: is is we, we have both a uh, a generic and a specific type of deterrent. The specific deterrent is stop that person from doing that thing again. Mm-hmm. So we put them in prison or we put a fine on them or we kill them. Uh, and then well, the. And, ger-
0: yeah, and we're also trying to keep other people. I mean, we're.
1: The general yeah. deterrent. Yeah, yeah. 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 We, yeah. We put it out there and we say. People shouldn't do this because this will happen to you. And so, uh, you know, if we're all just determined to do what we want, you know, what what is that sense of justice?
0: Yeah, right. And the sense of justice might mean even something like, you know, I want uh, revenge, you know, because of what they did to me. That kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Uh, So, uh, naturalism implies uh, nihilism and. since that's uh, what I think the evolutionary story uh, of ethics implies. So uh, we're, still, we're still stuck with uh, no objective morality, but this uh, sense of kind of blasé when it comes to morality that there's no oughts or shoulds. And um, he'll cover that a little bit in, uh, in the next chapter as well.
0: Yeah. So his next section, he asks the question, could our sentiments about morality uh, be correct? He says, is it possible that our biological condition, moral feelings are accurate? Might they identify or align with
1: genuine moral standards out there in the world? Yeah, by accident or by design, yeah. uh, design within evolution, not through, you know, all purpose creator big C.
0: Right. After all, we believe that our mental states right, correctly portray the mind independent world. So maybe our moral states uh, do that, too. They mm-hmm. could be correct. And he says this is certainly possible, but there's no, re- uh, no real evolutionary explanation for its accuracy. That is, evolutionary accounts um, don't require an external standard to make sense. All they require is survival value. Right. right. So it doesn't evolution doesn't require our moral beliefs to be true or accurate. Mm-hmm. Right. All it's looking for, if we can put it like that, <laughs> is uh, survival value.
1: Right. And we looked at this in the last section as it uh, goes to science. What, why, why would should we expect to come to knowledge of anything that is Big Bang or nebulas or speed of light, how does that add to our survival? Well, it doesn't. So, uh, you know, it, it seems like it has no, uh, there, there's no um, s- sense for us to take this as, bu- as true belief because it doesn't add to our survival. So we're just kind of, uh, looking at the shadows on the wall, and we're coming up with stories. Yeah. And these just seem to be more, you know, bombastic uh, stories of rather than, you know, a little gods uh, trying to trick you. It's you know, uh, the big bang. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he quotes Thomas Nagel uh, with regard to this. He says, from a Darwinian perspective, the hypothesis of value realism is superfluous. It's a wheel that spins without uh, being attached to anything. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's just a spinning wheel. That is, moral beliefs, which are grounded in feelings, sentiments, <laughs> you know, Hume, are all that we need to account for the survival benefits that uh, moral morality provides. Whereas a perceptual belief that there's an oncoming um, traffic requires that there also be no oncoming traffic, right? right? And so, you know, perceptual beliefs seem to be different, right? Because you can get into serious physical, you
1: know, right. trouble. Yeah, if you didn't believe that the traffic was there and you cross the street, you'd still be hit by a car. I guess theoretically, unless if, you know, you become a super Buddhist or something like that. <laughs> um, but when it comes to uh, should I steal the candy from the, the, the gas station? Well, you know, there's nothing that you know hits you like a truck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Other than the security guy at the at the end or or the police officer.
0: So the issue here then is that moral realism. Um, uh, not to say he says he says that's not to say that moral realism is false, but merely that it's not needed to explain the usefulness of, of our moral beliefs. So we saw this earlier when he was talking about making this distinction between uh, uh, in, in science, right mm-hmm. where uh, you know do the entities that we posit in science are they are they real or you know are they just useful fictions? Useful. <laughs> right? right. So he's making the same kind of mm-hmm. kind of issue here, right. right. If as long as it's useful then it's okay, but, you know, it doesn't uh, track with truth, Mm -hmm. right, and accuracy, yeah. Um, And so he says, um, notice that this is much more plausible to think that our moral beliefs gloom on to some objective moral reality if theism is true, right? That is, uh, he says, this is taken by some. To suggest, and him included, mm-hmm. that God has designed us with a cognitive faculty, a belief-forming mechanism that reliably recognizes His moral values. At least, it was reliable prior to the human fall into sin. Right. So, theism gives us another explanation, of, and uh, about what's going on. Right that may allow it for truth and accuracy and that sort of thing
1: yeah so again it comes down to surprise surprise worldviews and how you look at things through and what you accept as truth if you don't accept uh truth from a deity then the, the second version that dr Stokes provides is you're not even going to consider it because you know or you don't take into a uh, fact that uh that god exists so you know what what does that do you uh, so then what we have to do is uh, the don't answer or answer. So we gave an answer, people didn't like it. so okay, let's look at uh, what what they postulate. And so uh, he says that there's a couple problems with uh, how this current uh, evolutionary picture of morality is. And the first one is that, uh, objective moral standards would perform no explanatory work when it comes to our moral beliefs.
0: Right, so they don't help us in terms of explaining why we behave the way we do. Right, that is, uh, even if they are objective, uh, it doesn't make any difference because we have a different explanation, which is the evolutionary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the very fact that uh, a, a god explanation exists kind of denotes that. Well, okay, if it's out there. Uh, if it's objective, uh, we don't really know about it.
0: Right. Yeah. And so, so evolution doesn't help us with regard to, you know, that explanation he's suggesting. Mm-hmm.
1: So the the second problem is, I think the the really um, punch in the gut here is that with the evolutionary account, is that our moral beliefs evolved. That that's what happened. If these beliefs have evolved. Might not they continue to do so as humans adapt to different environments? It seems the height of arrogance or at least an impressive lack of imagination to think that we've arrived at a final internal ethical code.
0: This is it, right? Right.
1: <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, back in the Doesn't day. not get any better than yeah, this. <laughs> back in the day, we uh, killed each other in uh, our tribes and now we call them cities and uh, we just sue each other. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh is, is this the best it's gotten or will we, as we've seen in a hundred different dystopian movies, will we set up a, a, um, uh, a game show where we pit people against each other in order to fight to the death in order to gain the prize or right. what, and, whatever. And entertain the uh, well, you know, <laughs> it, it's good. The, the, the circus is there, you know, or the, the idea that, uh, slavery, uh, we, 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 Uh, However collectively you want to take that viewed slavery as a good thing. And then we evolved out of it, uh, whatever that means. We just suddenly viewed it as uh, not not good. Uh, Why? Well, because our evolution, I guess, has caused us to make us believe that this will help us to survive more. I don't know. I don't I don't know the, the the explanation other than you know, oh it hurts people and therefore you add more people to your tribe that will wanna help you maybe, something along those lines. But could we ever evolve backwards and say, you know, well it was it was fine when the population of the world was, you know, 7 billion but once it reached 10 billion we kind of had to go back to slavery because we were running out of jobs and we needed to stick people in you know smaller menial ones and we couldn't really pay them because of how many people there were so
0: and it adds to our survival and (laughs) therefore
1: right yeah the more slaves I, i have the the more i survive the more i can pass down my lineage to my children so or you know uh, uh, what we're always worried about now is uh, AI overtaking us. In fact, uh, there, there's there's a lot of people that view um, and prominent scientists who I've listened to talk say that our evolution has stopped. Kind of biologically, we we still evolve here and there, but our big steps in uh, in, in evolution are technology. So we extend our biology to our technology and it's through this. And so then we're worried about AI taking over and automation, um, doing away with jobs, even though we haven't really cared about that when, you know, the car came over to to take out the horses, the four horses, but yet we still have horses. Um, so there, there are, it seems like if we say uh, we're right now, what does that mean a hundred years into the future? Because us saying we're right now is at the same principle that people in before 1850 said we're right now right. and we're correct yeah, now yeah. yeah and i think <laughs> i think we're struggling with that as a society right now in that you know uh, you know by who says by what standard uh, are we to say are we to judge who are you to to say that uh, i can't do something or i can't or
0: that this now we've reached the supreme you know uh, status in terms of whatever or what uh, uh ethics is all about. right right. right
1: we've come to the answer and all it's right. 42 <laughs> so, yeah <laughs> so uh yeah so so
0: the issue i think he's trying to get at here is really all we can say is um, and we can, we have to ask the question is it has it gotten any better is it getting better or is it just change right yeah. and it because if there's you know if, if uh you know if 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 it's the the purpose is just to for survival value then there there then the, the, what makes it better is survival value right not that we're getting closer to the truth or that we're getting any better or
1: we're hurting less people right. none of so that matters so we
0: change it changes so that we can survive
1: mm-hmm. yeah but but who survives yeah. that, uh, you know which which part of us it, you know it's it's like in the time machine where you have and I, I always forget both the, the Morlocks and the the, the good ones, yeah. <laughs> the, the ones we're supposed to identify with. Right. You know, uh, it, they evolved two separate species or you have uh, invasion of the mole people. You know, you have the mole people who become slaves and they rise up against their masters who can't take the sunlight because they've been separated from society. <laughs> so so, wh- where is this division line? Because it seems like, uh, you know, we're, we're no longer the two tribes of— prehistoric ape people that you know in 2001 space odyssey find the bone and realize <laughs> that they've made a tool to use for killing you know at, at what point are, are are we going to say then that people in the first world are more evolved than people in the third world um, it seems like that would be problematic yeah, today yeah, but yeah. you know at, at what point does does a delineation occur um so uh, uh hauser and singer go on to say that um That uh, not only does morality evolve, but we don't need to wait for generations of biological adaptations now. We can go ahead and choose a morality that fits our current need. Seems odd because could we have done that at another point? Yeah. When 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 could we have not done that? Once we realize that we are products of evolution, right. so notice what they're saying. They're saying that morality is just whatever we choose. Right. I mean that's that's the big thing too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. I'm you you look now. I'm talking historically, yeah. and so yes. Yeah, so you know, uh, well, you know, I choose that. I really want my neighborhood to be the safest way possible, and I only want to go out and rape and pillage other communities so that I can bring it in. I'm, I want to bring Viking, you know, belief back, and and you know, whatever you kill, you keep. You know, Chronicles of Riddick type deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, da, 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 uh, he goes on to say that uh, insights into the changing moral landscape have not come from religion, but from careful reflection on humanity of what we consider a, well, a well-lived well life, this is um, uh, Hauser and Singer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in this respect, it's important for us to be aware of the universal set of moral institutions so that we can reflect on them. And if we choose, act contrary to them, we can do this without blasphemy because it's in our own nature, not God, that is the source of our own spe- species morality. Uh, and then you just say, okay, that's what you believe. <laughs> right, right. That's what you chose right. to do. Yeah, right. uh, but I, I believe different. So people come to opposite <laughs> conclusions and uh, sometimes it's that there's no act on, on our survival. So uh, times change, and so do our moral beliefs. Uh, why do they think they'll ever stop? And what does that mean to stop? Why well, think they are getting closer to the moral truth? Uh, we can certainly say that we like our current set of ethical standards better than our previous ones, but can we ever say that they're objectively better? Right. And here's a big one: <laughs> by what standard would we measure this? Exactly. Or what does best mean or what we believe now? Is that you're what we're going to
0: make? Yeah. If you're going to you know make a claim about best or better, you, you better than what? Yeah. You have, to have a
1: standard. And, and, and the, the one that I see online the most when interacting with atheists or people who don't, Subscribe to my standard is, well, it's whatever helps the most amount of people. That's That's utilitarian. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, in what capacity, in what form, what happens when, you know, again, you have the trolley problem. Well, I I step away because it doesn't add to my survival. I don't care. (laughs) Other than I probably will stop getting paid uh, for for switching the tracks. Uh, According to Evolutionary Story, our moral beliefs are merely survival tools, not apprehending truth, eternal truth, especially. Uh, it's plausible that certain currently untowered untowered uh, behaviors aid to our survival. Rape, aggression, xenophobia, and male pro- promiscuity; these are n- not only natural but arguably advantageous. Yet they are now offensive to us, which I think is uh, pretty important to to say. So, what standard do we choose again? Why can't I suddenly say if I if I'm able to to recognize my evolutionary ancestors, uh, you know? Men were more aggressive back then and we survived and we had nothing back then. So we should become Luddites and we should become misogynistic and we should become, you know, uh, flesh eaters of and going out there and, and raping and pillaging and, and you know that's the easiest way because even even death like we can take the klingon stance of you know <laughs> death in battle is honor because you know you've you've fought valiantly for your tribe and your children will see that and they'll become stronger warriors as opposed to you know you you who have died in battle kind of deal yeah you know yeah. why is that any different than and, i should go and, and across and the so, street so and the issue is if indeed yeah
0: <laughs> if indeed it's just a choice whose choice who gets to make the right. choice and you yeah know, I, I think I want to be in on that. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Welcome to our society. Yeah. Yes. The clan <laughs> So uh, his last section here in this chapter talks about what should a poor primate do, right? He says a common charge level at naturalist is that since behavior like rape and aggression added, aid in our survival, evolution implies that we ought to behave in these ways, right? In other words, um, we ought to do whatever is natural, mm. right? So, so... Uh, the survival of the fittest, uh, fittest rather, Spencer uh, proclaimed, is not just Mother Nature's way, but it's the way we ought to behave. Oh, so there's and, our ought, right? Yeah, there's our ought, right? And so so we get, we smuggle it in with regard to, <laughs> you know, and so we, with, with regard to nature. He uh, he says, of course, this has been picked up um, uh, on by those who oppose naturalism. Mm-hmm. And He quotes uh, William Lane Craig here, he says, and I'm going to go ahead and read this mm-hmm. quote because this is kind of interesting. If life ends at the grave, then it makes no difference whether one uh, has lived as Stalin or as a, st- uh, a saint. Since one's destiny is ultimately unrelated to one's savior, you may as well live as you please. On this basis, a writer like Anran, Rand is... Absolutely correct to praise the virtues of selfishness. Live totally for yourself. No one holds you accountable. Indeed, it would be foolish to do anything else, for life is too short to jeopardize it by acting out of anything but pure self-interest. Sacrifice for another person would be stupid. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, you know, uh, you, can, you can take this anyway depending on who you're talking to. Uh, why should we... Uh, Fall monogamy well monogamy adds a stable relationship uh they're more apt to take care of your progeny and uh you share resources okay well but why should i be promiscuous well then you spread more of your seed around and uh, you have more people to take care of your progeny uh, if one dies it's not like you're you're taking the one uh if if your uh concubine is uh is um uh, unable to bear children for you then you have other options so again it, it's 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 about storytelling it's about which one do you believe and you know you can you can take it and it seems to be whatever the case of what the current morality is we look back and read into it so when when people were being wanting to be promiscuous, uh, uh, you know, sex and free love—that—that that was a—a a claim that they could make. Well, it's just a product of our evolution. That's mm-hmm. what our our animal ancestors did. That's what you see in uh, apes. In fact, apes go around and they kill the young from uh, the, the males that they took over and kicked yeah. out of the tribe. So, so, so we should do that too. Yeah, animal animal yeah. ethics. Right? Yeah.
0: Why not? That's part of nature. And right. and, he, and so he, <laughs> he points out the problem here, right? He says, I don't see at least uh, not simply by virtue of the fact that selfish acts gives us reproductive advantage here. Nature means neither good nor ought. Right. Many natural things are quite bad as uh, Dindar points <laughs> out, right? It is equally natural to die young and illiterate without benefit of eyeglasses for myopia or medicine for illness. Naturalness alone isn't an indicator of what we ought to value, mm-hmm. right? That's that's the issue. Why why value that? It's not an indicator. The other issue he makes with this is that notice nothing, however, in evolution says that you ought to value your own survival above everything else. Right. Right. It doesn't say that. It says that's what we do, but it mm-hmm. doesn't say we ought to do it. <laughs> there is no morals with regard to that. Right. He says you can derive meaning, purpose, uh, or ethics from evolution. You can you? How can you? He quotes Jerry Cohen here. Uh, you can't. Cohen says evolution is simply a theory about the process and patterns of life's diversification, not a grand philosophical s- scheme about the meaning of life. It can't tell us what to do or how we should behave.
1: Right, right. So where are we? Uh, well, uh, we're at a crossroads. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because now we have to figure out where uh, where we stand at with morality.
0: Right, right. So the next chapter he's going to talk about a way that uh, uh, naturalists attempt to uh, support their particular position.
1: Mm -hmm, Right. right. So that's what we'll do uh, next week, and uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time.